shot over there. Hello, Mandela. Oh, what's he doing now? I said that pillow. Filling it up with lots of potpourri, selling it on by the roadside. Mr. Armadillo, Hello. do you have a trader's license? No. I didn't think so. You're gonna get fined if you're not careful, my friend. If you give a nine-banded armadillo a scare, it will jump straight into the air, often into the path of oncoming vehicles. Oh, no. oh dear. Boom! I was reading the comments on that video and they were like, uh, one of them was like, you know, it's just going along great. And then all of a sudden it's like 19 armadillos all dead at once. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hello, and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name's Paul. I am not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and I am also not an animal expert. This week, we are talking about the armadillo, if you couldn't tell. Boom! Armadillos! Boom! <laughs> Boom! Yes, but first, the news. This is Varman's Headline News with your anchorman, some guy named Paul. Thank you, Matthew. In early of June of 2021, a Texas man's yard was invaded by armadillos. Fortunately for the armadillos, that man's name is Scott Walters, and he might be the most chill person in the entire state of Texas. Here is his reaction to four armadillos just digging away in his backyard. All right, folks, what we got here is an armadillo party <laughs> in my backyard. They're busy aerating the backyard, and they're pretty much oblivious to me. Um, there's four of them, and let's see what this guy's doing right here. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Yeah. Hey, you're fine. Wow. This one's trying to dig to China. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice aeration we got going there. All right. Oh, this one came to say hi. And there's another one over here. So, yeah, they're tearing up my yard, but you know what? Um, they were here first, and uh, I don't really mind it. So... Now, if they return up the front yard, it'd be a different story. <laughs> we might have to declare war, but yeah. All right, guys. Y'all keep up the good work. Uh, when he was asked about the armadillos digging up the yard, he said, I sort of let nature take its course. I could cover up the holes as they dig them, but once it rains, it kind of fills in the hole a little bit. His backyard has also been home to foxes, opossums, hawks, and owls. He has a young daughter who reports to him every day about how many armadillos she's seen and where in the yard they were at. Scott also feels that it's important to enjoy wildlife from a distance, and even though he did pet and hold one of the armadillos once, 
he leaves them alone now, which is a good policy. So be like Scott Walters, everyone. Indeed. He's nice to animals. He is. He well, might not be nice to animals if they were digging in his front yard. <laughs> I didn't have to declare war then, but... <laughs> yeah, it might be a whole he different probably news story. Wouldn't. He would probably just pick them up and move them. <laughs> like, probably. okay, you guys, my policy of not touching has now reverted to picking you up and moving you. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think he he would still be somewhat nice. Oh, I'm sure he would. He sounds yeah. like he would. His declaring war is like, that's it. We're going to do the most relaxed thing we can to solve this problem. (laughs) (laughs) Well, just a reminder, everyone, go to varmints.podbean.com for links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode. We're also on Twitter and on Instagram at at varmintspodcast, all one word, and at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. We have a Pinterest board that you can put varmints into the search engine over there and and find all the pictures of the lovely animals. That's managed by a varminion whom we adore. If you want some varminions uh, or varmints merchandise, go on over to Redbubble and do the same thing. Put varmints in the search engine and you will find coffee cups and all sorts of stuff. That's really great. If you like the show, why not tell a friend about us and introduce them to our podcast? We are everywhere podcasts are found, and word of mouth is the very best way to help us grow. So let's go and learn about some armadillos. Have you ever wondered about animals? What do they look like? Where do they live? Why are some of their legs also hands? Well, we have. So it's time to learn about animals. Yes, we are learning about armadillos today. Armadillos are mammals found mainly in tropical and subtropical regions of South America. There are 20 different species of armadillos, which really blew my mind. I thought there was only maybe three. Most of them live in open areas like grasslands, but some also live in forests. The nine-banded armadillo is an invasive species that inhabits the south and southwestern parts of North America. So we have them here, too. The main physical trait all armadillos have is a set of plates on their bodies called a carapace. They are very compact, barrel-shaped little animals, and there's really a wide variety of sizes in those 20 or 21 species. The giant armadillo is not so little, though. They can weigh anywhere between 40 and 70 pounds, or 19 to 33 kilograms when they're full-grown. A 119-pound or 54-kilogram giant armadillo was caught in the wild, and captive giant armadillos have been weighed up to 80 kilograms or 180 pounds. That is a lot of variety. Yeah. Uh, They can grow to be 30 to 39 inches in length, or that's 75 to 100 centimeters, and their tail adds another 20 inches or 50 centimeters. This is the uh, the giant armadillo. They're, They're big. Yeah. They're big old big old animals yeah the pink fairy armadillo is the smallest it's one of those where you look at it and say that is not a real animal that is that's <laughs> that's just not a real animal yep we're gonna talk about them later yep grows to be three and a half to four and a half inches long or 90 to 115 millimeters and weighs just 4.2 ounces or 120 grams little teeny guys yep teeny there's really no average size with these things they're just kind of all over the place uh, one biologist I saw on Twitter called them armored potatoes with afterthought ears. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Armadillo sloths and anteaters are in the superorder Xenartha, which has been around for about 50 million years or so. As recently as 10,000 years ago, which doesn't sound re that recent, but it, for animals, 10,000 years ago is not a very long time ago. Yep. 10,000 years ago, a six and a half foot or two meter long, 500 pound armadillo lived here in Florida. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we don't generally talk about extinct species, but I, that was notable. Yeah, for sure. We get the word armadillo from the Spanish word armado. That came from the Latin word armatus, armare and arma, which means weapons, but it also applies to defensive armor. And the suffix dillo or dio, D-I-L-L-O, is added on to Spanish words as a diminutive. So it roughly translates to little armored one. And I suppose I should be I should be calling them armadillos. Yeah, we should probably. Probably, but we I should won't. do interchangeably. Armadillo. <laughs> Boom, armadillo. <laughs> <laughs> male and female armadillos are just called male and female armadillos, although they are sometimes called rams and does. I guess it just depends on maybe the area. Uh, that you're living in or the people that you're talking to. Sure. And babies are called pups. Yes. A group of armadillos is called a roll. <laughs> that is the best. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> a roll of armadillos. Oh, that's really good. Okay. Did you know that at least the nine-banded armadillo can swim? Does that chunky thing look like it can swim to you? N nope, it does not. <laughs> they can. Now, they're pretty neat. They can, the nine-banded armadillo is about the size of a small dog. And uh, what they do is to get across bodies of water that are not too far, they can actually just walk right along the bottom and hold their breath, and that's fine. But if they need to get across a body of water that's a little more extensive then they will swallow air until their stomach becomes their own personal flotation device. <laughs> <laughs> and then they just sort of paddle on over. They're <laughs> their own inner tube. <laughs> yes. So the only problem with this method is that it can take several hours to burp up the extra air when you're done. But, you know, what else are they going to do? They got time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all armadillos are little retirees <laughs> you've, got, you've got loads of time to just burp that air out don't worry about it they really do they're fine they don't have to go to work or anything so you know they're fine so they burp it all out oh that's how they manage that's it great pretty cool huh that's really cool yeah i do that sometimes at the beach down here because we you know we're on the gulf of mexico and it's salt water <laughs> And if you float in the water and you breathe in and out, like you can control your buoyancy like mm -hmm. that. It's yeah, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, but not really. Not really, but sort of the same <laughs> principle. Yeah, you could hang with an armadillo. Sure. <laughs> oh my goodness. They probably wouldn't be that interested in the beer, but you know. <laughs> That's really neat. Yeah. Do they? Do, I wonder if they're little. Um, if their little feet and their little claws, like, help them move through the water. Um, they Maybe, just paddle, huh? you know. They just paddle? Yeah, they just paddle. They just paddle along like a dog, you know. I'm sure it doesn't hurt, but, uh. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's not the main thing that's helping them along. They're just, you know, they just float and they can go, go direction, you know, paddle in whatever direction. But I don't think they have any specialized adaptations to the water other than yeah. that. So they have, they have just enough to get them from point A to point B. Yeah, it's like they're not yeah. super interested in the water. It's just sort of a, you know, we're just, you know, they don't really eat anything in the water. So, you know. Yeah. It's only of minimal interest. <laughs> <laughs> so the carapace is that protective bony armor that armadillos all have in common. And they're the only mammal that has this carapace or this the shell that they carry around on them. That is cool. It is. The top layer of that shell is made out of keratin, which is the stuff that your hair and your fingernails are made of, with um, scales. So beneath that keratin and scale layer, there are hexagonal or triangular tiles that are made out of bone. So you have like that that hard nail substance and, and actually bone is making that really hard. Oh, wow. And, and all of those tiles are connected by collagen fibers called Sharpies fibers. Oh, neat. Yeah. Now, I had a hard time finding out, like comparing the hardness of an armadillo carapace to something else. And I did my best. So as I was looking around, I found out that tensile strength is the resistance of a material to breaking under tension. And toughness is just that. It's just toughness. It's how much a, a, a substance can take, you know, bruises and bumps and, and scratches. It's where you want to put your dice if you're an armadillo in a role-playing game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> As far as I could tell, and I could be wrong, and please email us if I am wrong, but an armadillo's shell has the same tensile strength and toughness as limestone. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, limestone is, you know, it's a rock. It's, the, it's as far as rock goes, it's a kind of a weak rock. It's porous, and it's not that hard, but... You're talking you know, you about an animal, though. Come on. Yeah, exactly. And you would not want a, somebody to throw a piece of limestone at your head. No. <laughs> Don't throw an armadillo at my head, please. No, <laughs> I won't. <laughs> That's not being nice to animals. And it would hurt. <laughs> <laughs> so this has led to a myth that armadillos are bulletproof. Oh. And they are definitely mm. not bulletproof. Ugh. A bullet can penetrate an armadillo's armor, but they are bullet resistant. And people have actually been injured by bullets that have ricocheted off of an armadillo's armor, to which I say, good. Well, serves you, you right. You deserved it. It's right. <laughs> serves you right. That's crazy. So the popular belief is that when an armadillo is attacked, it will roll up into a ball. And there's only one species of armadillo that can roll itself completely into a ball, and that is the three-banded armadillo. Right. All the other 19 or 20 species cannot. So if they can't do that, how do they defend themselves? Well, if armadillos can, they will generally run from predators and they will try to run toward a burrow that they have dug or into very, very thick ground cover with a lot of pokey thorns and twigs. So what that shell does is it, is it takes the brunt of that damage. Something that is as hard as limestone can can stand up pretty well to like a just a twig or a, a thorn or something. Sure. And if they happen to be out in the open and they can't find something to run under, the shell is going to provide a whole lot of protection from claws and teeth because they need to be flipped over to get to the nice, soft, meaty parts, which they get eaten a lot 
but it does give them a little bit of protection, you know, it, a little bit of cover while they're running towards somewhere safer. Sure. Armadillos also jump straight up into the air, which will scare off threat predators up to three to four feet just straight up in the air. Yep. <laughs> so that's another little defense mechanism that they have, but the whole rolling up into a ball thing, just the one, just, just the, the three-banded armadillo that does that. Well, there you go. And they do roll up into a really, really neat little tidy ball. <laughs> IUCN stuff. Giant armadillos are endangered due to human encroachment, hunting, and deaths due to domestic dogs. Uh -huh. Yeah. Several other species are either threatened or there's just not enough data to evaluate their conservation status. Uh, like the pink fairy armadillo. The pink fairy armadillo, there's really no data on that little guy, so we don't really know uh, how it's doing. Yep. But other species like the screaming hairy armadillo, the greater long-nosed armadillo, and the nine-banded armadillo are all stable, least concern, good to go. There's plenty of them. For the moment. For the moment. Yes. We have stuff like habitat encroachment and or habitat loss and and uh, global warming, which is a real thing. Yep. And cars running them over. Boom, armadillo. <laughs> yep. There's all kinds of threats, right? Right. Good to hear. A mixed bag. If you go to a zoo and they have an armadillo on display, it's probably going to be a giant armadillo just because of the, they're big. Like they're really huge and you get that ooh factor. But also because they are endangered right. and they're trying to, you know, trying to get their numbers up. Right. Yeah. I wonder how they do with um, release into captivity. I don't know. I feel like I came across a video of one being released into, into the wild. Hmm. When I was researching this episode two months ago or however, however, <laughs> however long, long it, was. it was. Yeah. <laughs> well, we are going to talk about armadillos in pop culture and a couple other things. But first, I want to thank the Patreon supporters. Uh, this podcast costs money to make and we have to pay for web hosting fees and, and uh, you know, new equipment. I just had to get a new pair of headphones for myself because the ones I'm wearing right now the ones I'm wearing right now as I'm recording are in th three separate pieces. Do you <laughs> like have I'm, them like all duct taped together? They're all taped together. Yeah. <laughs> so I finally got a new set of headphones. They're going to be in tomorrow. Okay. Anyway, this yeah, there's expenses and the Patreon people help out with that. And in return, you get goodies. You get uh, a little video series I do called Paul's Food Box. We are working on some Patreon only content and you get stickers once in a while and and uh, early release episodes, there are perks to being a Patreon supporter for as little as a dollar a month. So we thank you for your support. And if you want to join the people that are supporting us on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash varmints. Well, this here's Animal Rancher and Expert at Large, Cotton Shorts. You know Paul and Don are just a couple of nerds like you, and they don't usually get to see animals in the wild. But so we'll talk about where they usually do get to see them, which is to say on popular culture, books, movies, television, and video games. Well, I think you should probably just play the music, and then we'll talk about the critter. Digimon, 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 Digimon,
song is pretty straightforward. It's very straightforward. It tells yeah. you exactly what's going on. There's absolutely no attempt to make this <laughs> uh, at all. Uh, I mean, they only have a little bit because it's cartoon, right? So cartoons and video games and stuff, right? Gosh. So that, that song is going to be stuck in my head for the rest of the evening. That's right. I'll give you another ear earworm. <laughs> <laughs> Digimon is a franchise that is like Pokemon. Right. It was just invented a couple of years after Pokemon. And I was very surprised to find out that there is an extreme rivalry among people who are Pokemon fans and Digimon fans. Oh, uh, of course there is. And I found this massive article. And I mean, it is like paragraphs long about why Digimon is actually better than Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I don't know. His fandom <laughs> is like that, I suppose. Uh, oh, but yeah. Come on. Uh, it, it's very long. It's like a, it's a pretty long article. Like a, It's a whole page. You actually have to scroll down and it gives the history and, you know, approaches each fan point. Like, what? Well, this is better than that. And this was that. And, and it's, you know, it's extremely complicated and everything. But yeah, there's a. There is a whole fandom that is all about this. So, pretty amazing. I asked the nerd herd. I have a lot of nerdy friends. And I only found one person in my personal nerd herd who had ever heard of Digimon. And he had just watched the cartoons when he got home from work in the 90s. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's. I think I'm too old, actually, to, to have... To have this particular fan base in my in my nerd herd, <laughs> so I even asked my niece. Your nerd herd. Yeah, my niece is a millennial, and she has to had no idea. She knew about Pokemon, but she'd never heard of Digimon. Had nothing, no idea about anything to do with it. So, oh. so I've I have no idea. I just haven't hit on the right segment of the of the nerds. I I don't know how, but anyway, <laughs> it, we're missing. You can't have everything. You know, you can't. So you can't take in all of the pop culture. You can't. It's impossible. I just was surprised that it was there. I had no idea that there was this rivalry. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. So Digimon had like video games and uh, cartoons and some movies and oh, yeah. just all sorts of stuff. I'd never Toys. even heard of it. Never heard of it. But the one we're going to look at today is called Armadillomon. Boom, Armadillomon. He's pretty cute. Armadillomon is a mammal Digimon. Its body is covered in a hard shell. It has a carefree, charming personality, but occasionally gets hurt if it gets carried away. Just like Vmon and the others, which if you're a Digimon person, you will know who those are. Armadillomon... <laughs> is a descendant of the of an ancient species, and so it is able to perform special armor digivolutions. Digivolutions, get it? That's pretty clever. Digivolutions. 
But its attacks are Diamond Shell, where it curls up its body and rushes the opponent. Beat Blaster, which strikes the opponent with the elongated claws on its forelegs. Hard Brick, which is a block, like a defense. Uh, a Diamond Slamming attack, which they don't explain. And a Beast attack, which it attacks with a swift blow of a powerful beast. And of course, it is a Digimon type of creature, so it turns into this kind of creature. And like that was the only content I could find to look at about Armadillomon was just a segment where the narrator is saying, Armadillomon turns into <laughs> this guy. And then he turns into this guy. And that guy turns into this guy. And, you know, all to that Digimon techno background. And it made absolutely no sense to clip it because it was completely visual. <laughs> sure. I mean, the names are meaningless to the audience unless you can match them with an image and you know, if you're interested, go take a look and just write Armadillo Mon on YouTube and you'll get a, a picture of him and him changing into all of his various iterations. And, and it's very cool and very sweet. But I got to say, I, I think I like the original little Armadillo Mon. Look at that guy. He's really cute. <laughs> yeah, he is. I like his little face. Yeah. <laughs> they put a cute little face on him. Yeah. So I'm a fan. I like him just because he's adorable. Look how cute he is. Well, my pop culture pick is Armadillo, who is a villain in the Marvel comics. Armadillo made his first appearance in 1985. And the basic backstory of Armadillo is his name is Antonio Rodriguez, and he was a small-time crook who was in a federal penitentiary. And when he got out, he found out that his wife was paralyzed by some unknown illness. And none of the treatments she was given were helping her. Their savings ran out. The doctors refused to see her because they didn't have any money, except for one doctor, Dr. Carl Malice. He agreed to cure his wife, but since they didn't have any money, Antonio agreed to become a test subject for a process called gene splicing, and that is what turned him into a human armadillo. Pig and elephant DNA just don't splice. <laughs> Sorry, that's got nothing to do with our armadillos. It's just <laughs> South Park from about two billion years ago. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. That's fine. <laughs> that's what it reminded me of. <laughs> 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 did I make your brain cells remember something? <laughs> they did. Oh, I, I have three brain cells that had a like a layer of dust on them, and you just blew that dust off and activated them. <laughs> So why on earth, you may be asking, why did Marvel Comics choose an armadillo for a, a supervillain? Like, that's a weird animal to have as a supervillain. Well, back in the oldie days, people were encouraged to, to write letters to Marvel Comics. And sometimes those letters would get published in the comic books. And so Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, and Steve Ditko would personally respond to those letters in future editions of the, of the, uh, the comic book, right? Mm -hmm. So Stan Lee stopped being the editor-in-chief. And then there were a bunch of guys who tried to fill that role. Eventually, assistant editors started replying to the letters even when they didn't work on the comic that was being that was in question, that was being asked about. And eventually someone came up with the idea of referring to those nameless assistant editors as friendly armadillos. Well, after a while, it was ridiculous because people were asking these people 
these editors about comics that they didn't know anything about and the, the, the answers were really lame. So the assistant editors eventually began to be credited properly and they they started picking people that actually knew the comics to, you know, answer these questions. And one writer said in part, the armadillo is dead. Our readers deserve to know exactly who they are talking to and to get answers back from real live humans who are directly involved with the titles that you care about. So a guy named Mark Gruenwald began working for Marvel Comics and he introduced this villain based on this series of little in-jokes in this letter column. And he first appeared in Captain America number 308 and the the uh, title on the front of the comic book is Armadillo, He's No Laughing Matter. Except he is, kind of. A, except he was. He was, a, he was a series of in-jokes in the comic book. <laughs> There's a new original series on Hulu called Modoc, who is another Marvel Comics villain. Armadillo appeared in two episodes. He was voiced by Daniel Ibarra. Oh, cool. So in this episode, Modoc is not allowed into the leader's fancy club unless he steals Captain America's shield. So he recruits a gang of has-been supervillains from the bar with no name. And Armadillo is one of those guys. <laughs> but the heist does not go according to plan. In this scene, Armadillo confronts his wife, Irene, and her new boyfriend, Mandrill. Uh, Mandrill's another minor Marvel villain, uh, even though they've been apart for eight years and he never formally proposed to her. So here's that scene. We're married! Doesn't that mean anything to you? I, por favor, we have been divorced for eight years. You don't even give me a ring, remember? But that's <laughs> the kind of ring I would have gave you! And you broke my heart when you bonded! You're delusional! Buddy, if you don't leave my wife alone, I'm gonna kick your ass! The mandrill! <laughs> Ooh, Irene certainly has a thing for animal villains. Oh, yeah. Okay! Tie up your robe and let's fight! It's a kimono, and this is how you wear it! Hey, what? Uh, okay, okay, uh. Armadillo, get in the van! And stop coming around here! I just thought maybe if you saw me all drunk, throwing a tantrum, it would win you back! Mandril, get inside. Okay. Armadillo, go away! <laughs> <laughs> so that was Modoc you heard in the background. He's put, voiced by Patton Oswalt. Yeah. Um, it's a stop-motion animation, and it's very, very funny, and it's on Hulu. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Would you eat it in a box? Would you eat it with a fox? Would you eat the fox? Would you eat it? Would you eat it? No. No, me neither. Nah, I don't think so. It's one of the few animals where I'm not even... Like debate, there's no inner debate. Like I would just not eat an armadillo. Like there's, it's just full stops. Because some of these animals we talk about, I'm like, eh, would I? But no, armadillo, no. Well, I think that humans as omnivores, whenever we spot anything that's edible, we're like, well, should I eat that? Hmm. You know, yeah, it's natural. Well, that 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 natural response does not happen with Doesn't armadillos. Happen. That's interesting because you your food box is gigantic. Huge. And you will eat so many things that I will not even consider. So yeah, I'm surprised. Armadillos are just, nope, not in the food yep. box and never will be. Yep. You knew my answer was no, though. I did. I have yeah. to ask anyway. I have to ask for the podcast. It's what I do. You never, I mean, I suppose every once in a while I'll be like, ah, you know, why not? But most of the time it's no, huh? I mean, yeah, <laughs> but I figure one of these days I'll get surprised, like... Oh, yeah. You'll be like, yeah, I do want to eat that eel or whatever. <laughs> well, actually, I 
I, I do like you. <laughs> <laughs> now that you bring it up. At the Japanese restaurant, I do, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, oh, I love okay. sushi. Well, see there, I was surprised just now. I was yeah. surprised by your answer. That's why I keep asking. <laughs> I can't remember what the eel sushi is called, but it's one of the ones that is cooked. Uh, and it's like kind of a dessert sushi, but it's really good. Ooh, I, I a dessert sushi? Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of fancy. Oh, yeah. Mm. I'm all about I mean, I don't know if they call it that, but my friends and I sort of think of it as a dessert sushi dessert like it's the sushi. one you have last after the you've had the rest of your sushi or sashimi or whatever and then you order these little eel ones which i just can't remember what they're called any hoodly doodlies but our sushi restaurant goes be like by the piece you know like by the okay anyway getting sidetracked <laughs> now i want some sushi yeah me too hmm. any hoodly doodlies what does eat Armadillos, coyotes, dogs, black bears, bobcats, cougars, foxes, and raccoons will kill and eat armadillos uh, in places where these predators occur, of course. Um, hawks, owls, and feral pigs might uh, eat armadillo young, armadillo babies. So there's right. plenty of things that eat armadillos. All the, you know, all the animals really have to do is just flip it over, like flip the armadillos over, like yeah. try to chase it long enough to where, un you know, before it goes under something and just get under it and flip it over. And there it is. Armadillos on the menu. Yep. There you go. So I'm going to talk about uh, the main reason I wouldn't eat armadillo here in the next section. Well, hello, Paula Donna. I've been meaning to ask you, is your brain a repository of useless information like mine is? Yep. Well, let's help yeah. you win that next trivia night. Or just sound smarter than the rest of the room. With the Animal Fact of the Week. Back to you, amigos. <laughs> so here in the southern United States, we have a ton of nine-banded armadillos. Uh, they are an invasive species. They are all over the place. Some armadillos migrated from Mexico to the United States by themselves. And then there were a bunch of armadillos in Florida that were established by escapees from private zoos and traveling circuses uh, right around the 1920s, like 1924. Right. Those two populations eventually met in the middle, like around Louisiana, and now we have armadillos all over the place. There have been some armadillos spotted on the eastern side of Colorado, southeastern side of Colorado. Oh, cool. And that it's sort of cool, but it's kind of not because it means the climate's changing and warming up and they are moving into our territory where they never historically could survive before. Oh, that's yeah. not good. Yeah. What else isn't good is that armadillos can transmit the bacteria Mycobacterium leprae to humans. Uh-oh. Yeah, that's not yep. good. Yeah, that bacteria can cause Hansen's disease, which is also known as leprosy. Mm-hmm. Now, leprosy is a pretty scary disease, and if it's left untreated, it can cause some skin and nerve damage and some pretty horrible disfiguration and injury. However, armadillos carrying leprosy is not a public health threat. First of all, leprosy is a very, very rare disease. More than 95% of all people have natural immunity to this disease. So if you are one of those 5% who are not immune... The CDC says that prolonged close contact with someone with untreated leprosy over many months is needed to catch the disease. So you're probably never going to have to worry about getting leprosy. 
but coming into contact with the blood or tissue of a dead armadillo or eating armadillo meat can increase your risk of developing leprosy if you're mm. one of if you're one of those five percent of people who are not immune to it. Right. From 2007 to 2012, there were 52 people who developed leprosy in the United States. 40 of those people also had exposure to infected armadillos. Huh. Yeah. Which is not, I mean, from... No, it's not very many people, It's but that's just interesting. Yeah, in a five-year period, that was about 10 people a year. Wow. So, yes, armadillos do carry leprosy, but you are probably not in any danger. If you have one in your yard or your garage or your dog corners one, you're probably going to be fine. Yeah. Um, Don't eat them. And if you see one that has been injured by an animal or hit by a car, you're you're much better off calling a wildlife rescue to take care of it. Yep. Uh, just like you are with any wild animal. But if you are afraid of armadillos because they have leprosy and you see one and you freak out, just don't. Just leave it alone. Like some people want to like immediately go get the shovel and and you know kill the armadillo because it's leprosy and it's dangerous and and if you. If you handle an armadillo or you injure an armadillo and you expose yourself to those, you know, to the blood and, and tissue and all that, you're just, you're just making, you're just, you're, you're making what you think is a dangerous situation into an actually dangerous situation. Right. And only if you're one of those people that... Only if you're... Yeah. Yeah, but... Do you know if you're immune to leprosy? Of course not. Leprosy? No, no I, I don't either. No idea, so... <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So just, you know, leave armadillos alone. Yeah. And they'll leave you alone, and you probably will never get leprosy, so you're fine. Don't touch them. You'll be fine. Yeah. Just let them dig their little holes. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to bite you. (laughs) Nah. No, they they can't bite. No. They they are incapable of biting. Yeah. They will not bite you. But but just don't don't get that close to them. Just don't mess with them, man. Yeah. That's it. It's all good. (laughs) <laughs> well, today I'm going to talk about the little pink fairy armadillo that we discussed earlier. And because of an animal fact that's pretty... They have a lot of neat things about them, but... They are the smallest armadillo, as we talked about before. But they also do this thing, they think, called sand swimming. Which is where the land is sand, where it's just sand. They can just swim underneath it. Because with their little front paws, they just have these enormous... If you look at the pink fairy armadillo, they're just like this little pink tube with a shell. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And they have these, like, enormously huge, powerful claws sticking out the front for their size, right? And For their size, they're just a weird-looking animal. They are. They're they're oddly cute and adorable, but also really alien-looking. Just really weird-looking, yeah. Well, scientists think that they sand swim. They actually swim through the sand... And they know that when they burrow, they have this torpedo shape that reduces drag. And so that's kind of another thing about them that indicates that they wouldn't have any trouble doing this sand swilling. Uh, sand swilling? No, not swilling. <laughs> sand swimming. They also have, when they're burrowing, they have a little thing, their shell at the back. They kick the dirt behind them in the front, and their shell in the back is what tamps the tunnel closed so that they always have a little pocket of air as they're going along. <laughs> oh, neat. Isn't that cool? 
That's really cool. But I'm going to put a note in the show notes of a fairy, pink fairy armadillo page, and you can go and take a look. There are a few videos. There are not many. They don't know very much about them. But uh, it's the only species of armadillo where they their dorsal shell is totally separate to its body. It's only connected with a thin membrane. It's not part of their skeleton. Oh, wow. Yeah. They think that the shell helps them with their thermoregulation, basically. And, okay. Yep. And then, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. They can Their shell can increase their pink appearance as they lose or gain heat. They're just super 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 interesting it looks like sushi it looks like a little one of those little pieces of rice with a with a, a thing of salmon on top it looks like sushi it kind of does yeah yeah little salmon sushi little salmon yep. sushi roll yes they live in central argentina in a very tiny region of that already small place called the mendoza region and they're known for having both warm and cold seasons as well as wet and dry seasons and so this has a has made the pink fairy armadillo adapt to all of those extreme changes, right? Mm-hmm. So the average high temperature during the warm season is 30 degrees Celsius, which I don't know what that is Fahrenheit. That's like around, that's like high 80s, low 90s. Okay, so the cold season yeah. is just around 15 Celsius. All right. So. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Just slightly above freezing. Yeah. And the conservation status is uncertain, as you were talking about the IUCN red list. Yeah. And it's, they don't know, because they, they know that they've experienced a drastic drop in population in the last few decades because of farming activities, but they don't know what to what extent it's affected their stability. They just don't, they don't know. There's definitely a decline, but they don't know how many of them there are. So, <laughs> right, <laughs> or there were. And, so, it's it's and they're so crazy. small. They're really like tiny, the, and they're always almost always underground. So, how in the heck are you gonna know, right? Exactly. Yep. Well, thank you all for listening to this show. We do really appreciate it very much. This show has been brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo, bed music by Kevin McLeod. Our logo was created by Imran Javed. Our vocal talent today was Chris Green, Justin and Santiago, and Curtis Craddock. And it's time for the Rugrat Corner. If you have a Rugrat who is eight years of age or younger, who wants to be on our podcast, send us a message on Facebook or email us at at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for details. We make it super easy for your little Rugrat to hear their voice on the podcast. So who do we have now? Today we have Dominic. Dominic has something to say about armadillos. Hi, Paul and Donna. This is Dominic with Armadillo Facts. Nice. Um, Armadillo in, is a Spanish word meaning little armored one. In Georgia, we have the nine-banded armadillo. Yep. Armadillos love to swim. They're pretty good at it, too. They have a strong doggy paddle. But they can also go a far distance underwater. They can hold their breath up to six minutes. My dad once tried to save one that got hit by a car. We took oh it boy. to a shelter. Sadly, it didn't survive. But uh. at least we tried. Yeah. 
That's being what nice. What does an armadillo do on its day off? Uh oh. Armachillo. Oh. Armachillo. Nice one. <laughs> Thank nice you. One. Thank you. Thank you, Dominic. <laughs> Armachillo. Armachillo. We got to call him that from now on, I think. <laughs> you know, Keep... and the babies of an armachillo would be armachildren. <laughs> oh, I like it. <laughs> armachildren. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Dominic's dad is Keith from the Pop-Up Filmcast, which is a really, really funny improv podcast that talks about um, fictional movies and movie festivals, film festivals. And it's really, really, really clever and funny, and it's excellent. It's right here on the Podfix Network. Yes, check it out. Thanks again for listening, and until next time... Be nice to animals. This has been a transmission of the Podfix Network. For more about this show and other great Podfix programs, go to podfixnetwork.com. All right, you're recording, right? I am. Okay. Um, all right. Mm. So I guess clap your hands in uh, 28, 27, <laughs> 26... I'm just going to say cla a clap. <laughs> 24. 23. <laughs> what are you doing? 22. <laughs> 21. <laughs> 20. You nerd. What are you doing? 19. We're not going to space. <laughs> 18. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need a long countdown. <laughs> 17. <laughs> ah. 3. Two, one. Clap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Right.